Let me tell you how it will be We'll all catch up on the books you'll see Cause it's the X-Men Yeah, it's the X-Men Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 186 of the Weird Science Marvel Comics Podcast. I'm Jim, and I'm going to be talking three books tonight, which will be X-Men number five, Fallen Angels number six, the series finale, and New Mutants number six. Uh, Before I do that, let me quickly tell you where you can find us. We're on Twitter at WS Marvel Comics. Follow us. We'll follow you back. We have a website, WeirdScienceMarvelComics.com, where we review almost every new Marvel comic each week. We have a YouTube channel, Weird Science Comics, where we do, or I do, video reviews of both DC and Marvel books and also some news videos as well. Be great if you'd subscribe there. We also have a Patreon account that you can support us for all of this nonsense. And if you do... You end up getting a ton of shows in return. That's at patreon.com slash weird science. All these links will be in the show notes. So let's get into this. We're going to start with X-Men number five, an issue that is written by Jonathan Hickman, art by R.B. Silva, colors by Marty Garcia, and letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. And I have mentioned that I need this X-Men book to be the most important book. I need it to be the one that is my favorite. I need it to be the one that I cannot live without, and it hasn't been that so far. There's a lot of feeling in my mind of one-shots, weird little asides. I do think that they will play out and then by the end really hit hard with everything going through it. But right now, or at least up until this issue, I have needed more. This story does go back to a loose thread from way back in the beginning, the whole Serafina deal and the children of the vault. It's cool. You end up having Xavier tell the reader and the other X-Men that these children of the vault is one of the biggest threats that they have. So that ups the ante as well, because when Charles talks, I listen. I listen to him, you know, because he's smart. Well, you end up with this whole deal with Serafina, and she's being chased by Wolverine. She's trying to get to the vault. He's trying to keep her from the vault. Now, I forgot the recap, so let me read that real quick. While rescuing mutant children from an Orcus research facility, the X-Men inadvertently freed Serafina, a member of the Children of the Vault, a highly evolved and highly dangerous superpower group developed via exposure to temporal acceleration. The X-Men have now tracked Serafina to Ecuador, And yeah, you have her running through the jungles of Ecuador, comes across a couple sheep herders, and she is going to mind control him to tell him, yeah, there's this guy coming to get me. Can you stop him? Now, yeah, I don't think she thinks that these guys are going to stop the mutant that is chasing her because that's Wolverine, Logan. There's no way. But it seems she just needs a little extra time, a little teeny distraction to get some space between her and Logan So she can get to the vault, open it up, and then close it before he comes. And it works. He comes out. He doesn't look like he's tracking anybody. He looks like he has just done like three hours at the gym doing supersets on lats, too. He could never put those arms straight down. He comes out, tells these guys, you don't want to do this. You don't want to get involved with me. And he just kind of tosses them aside. But it does give Serafina the time. She gets to the vault. She opens it up. She crawls in, looks back. And then just goes in. She looks pissed, too. 
Logan gets there. The door's closed again. He says, I, I lost her. She's in the vault. Do you want me to cut through? I can go get her. And whoever it is, Scott Xavier, says, no, just come back. We're going to have to get another way in. Don't worry. But you get the wow moment as the camera angle pulls out. And you do end up seeing that above this vault entrance, there is a sentinel that appears to be taking a dump. He looks like he's sitting on the toilet, possibly reading a newspaper. But you go and you see Serafina go into the vault. You see the proper scanning and the scanning of someone who's supposed to be in there, which will end up playing out later when we see the scanning of three characters that aren't supposed to be in there. Those characters are Darwin Sink and X-23, Lara, my gal. Why they are going to be there is said right here. You go to Krakoa and they're going to set up an Ocean's Eleven caper here to get into that vault. They're picking Darwin, Sink, and X-23 because they are the mutants that can go into the vault, go through with the temporal shear that's going to go on when they do enter because time is accelerated in that vault. When they go in, they have to get in. They have to end up observing things, you know, pretty much evaluating the children and the vault itself, and then they have to get the hell out. But the problem is that vault, when it seals, cuts the three off from any sort of, you know, help or even communication with the X-Men, with Charles, with Cerebro, and to make matters worse for the three, when you go in and time starts to accelerate, whether you die, live, whatever, you cannot go out until the vaults open again. And this could be in your time because, again, it's accelerated time in the vault. You might end up in that vault for thousands of years. And it has happened, they said. So there is this idea of, oh, my God, you know, this might be not even just a suicide mission. It might be where you might be pretty much in jail, kind of trapped for thousands of years and even like the whole idea we won't even be able to resurrect you can't do anything and if they do die inside and they are somehow resurrected like you're not going to have the info because of that whole resurrection thing that we dealt with in hawks and pox and how you kind of have to survive a bit and all that so they they have a mission that really isn't great it's not the greatest thing to be suited for now, you end up having Darwin and Sink. They seem okay with it. And you even have a little thing of Sink, a little medical report when he came back. He's not having the best of times since being resurrected. He is freaking out. He's a mutant out of time, kind of. Everything's passed him by. So I think he just doesn't care. He just wants to go in. Uh, Laura, though, goes from being pretty badass when they're talking about why they picked him. And like Laura, like Wolverine, no, no, I am Wolverine. And even Logan likes that. It's like, you tell him, kiddo. But then when she finds out about this temporal deal and they might be in thousands of years, she's like, yeah, what's Wolverine doing? And I I don't know if it's supposed to be played out as humor. I didn't like it. It, it ended up making Laura go against her main thing that she's angry about. And also, it just it, it just didn't play out well with me. But they end up where you do see a roll call of the children of the vault. In kind of these, you know, not those re- information pages that we usually get that are all just printed out. This is done in the comic itself, but it kind of you go and see how the vault, you know, ends up getting them. You see a lot of info, and and really to me, a lot of it didn't make sense right now, at least because I'm a dummy. 
I, I, I don't know things. That makes me stupid. Duh. But you end up where this Ocean's Eleven, Mutant Eleven, I'd like to say, is what they're going to do is forge has a temporal translocator. They're not actually going to open the vault for Darwin, Sink, and X-23 to get in. They're just going to go to the door, hit a button. They're going to translocate. They're going to teleport into the vault without the door opening so that there isn't alarms and stuff going off. But to do this and to make it work, there has to be a distraction. And so this is where you get like the planning and stuff, where you do end up having Storm show up, she causes a lightning strike on that sentinel that looks like he's taking a dump. That's going to get the, you know, it's going to get the attention from the vault itself and the vault's automatic, you know, emergency protocols, protection, all of that stuff. And then the X-Men are going to have to fight off all of this. When you get the defense protocols initiated, they have to fight them off as if they are trying to get into the vault, even though they're not. And then they have to pretend to retreat. They have this whole thing. So you want the vault to think that it has succeeded in getting the X-Men the heck out. Nobody's gone. In the meantime, the three have entered, and it works. You do see it. And I like the idea because if you're one of the mutants outside, Cyclops, Armor, or Storm, anybody, you wouldn't necessarily know that the three got in okay or whatever because communications get wiped out. Plus, they're not opening a door. They're just going to be there and then disappear, and that's what they say. They must have gotten in because they were there, and then they weren't. Well, you do see the three enter, and yeah, the vault knows something's up. The vault is going to be after them. You even have like an oh, crap moment where the vault is pretty much sending defenses uh, to go get them to protect the whole city the whole vault so you end up ending with that but then going to krakoa to see scott and xavier talking and i love the way this ends because a lot of times in the sex men book and i said at the beginning you don't necessarily go with the same story the next issue that drives me nuts but when you end with the tension when you end with the idea that if we don't go back to it you have those three still in the vault and you can kind of get the idea of real time things going because they are gone for a couple months at this point. But a couple months actually to us equals out years, 537 years is how long in their time they've already been gone. So to end this issue and not get back to them right away you'll have in the back of your mind like, oh, my God, how long has it been? How long have they been in there? And I think that that's a really clever way to end this sort of thing and get it going. And we'll have to see eventually when they do come out, if and when, that they have the information about the children of the vault so that that can be used against it. Because, as I said, Charles said they are one of the biggest threats. And you have Cyclops at the end. He says at the beginning, it's a bookend thing where you see at the beginning, the end, where he's like, my God, what have I done? What the hell was I thinking? So that's a pretty good end. I'm giving it an 8.5. The reason I'm not going higher, nothing really does get resolved here. You end up having set up. I love the way the clever ending, that sort of deal, the way the stakes are set and then left there. But And the art's okay. It's not really my thing. This It's a little too gritty. It's very dark. I would have liked it to have been a little brighter at points. But 
it's still good. It's not really making my score lower. It's just not raising it. But yeah, just the idea. It's a very quick read, but overall, it's just set up and we'll have to wait to see what happens from everything else. But I'm going to go to Fallen Angels now. I think we're going to get through this pretty quickly. Fallen Angels, number six. It is the finale. I just, this book is, I'm not going to say I hate it. I'm not going to say it's horrible. It just feels inconsequential. It just feels like all the rest of the X books, even one that I don't like, Excalibur, big things are happening, things like this just feels like it's a Psylocke book, which when I did talk to Brian Hill at the beginning of this, he said that's all it really was. It was always supposed to be a six issue mini, and it's just bringing Psylocke back into her body, kind of back in the mindset, all this, and have something for her to do so that she can go off to other things. But it just doesn't feel big, even though you're supposedly, you know, going against a god, things like that. It just doesn't feel big. And that really lowers my whole anticipation for it and appreciation and excitement when I'm reading it. But it's written by Brian Hill, art by Simon Kodransky. There's another thing I, I said at the beginning, I'm not a very big Simon Kodransky fan. The beginning of the series, actually, I thought, oh, maybe I do like him a little. Now nah, I'm back to it. Colors by Frank DiMarta. And letters by VCs Joe Sabino. Mutants around the world flocking to the island nation of Krakow for safety, for security, and to be part of the first mutant nation and society. You ever hear that? Through a prophetic vision, Psylocke is made aware of a mysterious new enemy called Apoth, who was responsible for the creation of a dangerous new cyber drug called Overclock. And the children employed in its production, Psylocke, X-23, Cable, Bling, and Husk, banded together to take the fight to Apoth in Dubai. The reason why you can tell nothing really happens in this whole six issues to this point is you pretty much had that same exact recap with that last sentence just changing to what they're doing in the now. But it really has not really been a big book. It hasn't had much to say or do. And this issue, you do have Psylocke and the new team going off to fight Apoth, going to take the fight in Dubai. It does not it whatever it felt non big before if it felt small before it feels smaller now because this just ends it really doesn't have much to do you have Psylocke who's going to go off and fight directly with Apoth while that's going on the rest of the team including Bling and Husk who just joined in. They're just going to be around the Dubai they're going to be where they have to be to fight off some other people so that Psylocke can go up but you don't get much of them. You don't get much of them at all. Psylocke goes up, and I'm telling you, this is going to be very quick. Psylocke goes up. She ends up activating the overclock, which then ends up making her go into the Matrix. And she ends up being able to face Apoth, where she does get rid of the part that's the Skeletor with with the Mr. T necklaces, that part which actually said to Cable earlier wasn't Apoth, but it kind of is a combo. If you remember the Silver Surfer, Apoth, who showed up, well, they're a combo. You end up having Silver Surfer is the good part of Apoth, and you end up having the Skeletor, obviously, is the bad part. When you end up getting rid of the bad part, the good part comes up and says, hey, thanks a lot. 
you you took care of the bad version of me. Oh my. And and you have one of those things where it's the X-Men mutant version of that poster where you end up having the footprints that are on the sand and the beach and it's like, "Hey, me and you, God, we were walking together here, but look, when I had problems, I was all alone. You left me." No. That was when I was carrying you. In this, you end up where Psylocke gets rid of the bad version and then says to the good one, like, why didn't you help? Why didn't you do anything? You made me do everything. But the Silver Surfer good part says, but I was the one who got you to come. So didn't I do all of it? No, you didn't. But it's the same concept. So while that's going on, you do have. Kid Cable, X-23, Bling and Haas, they're fighting off these other people with the whole deal like, hey, you can't kill these people. They're being controlled by Overclock. We don't want to do things against them until one of them supposedly isn't and is dead. They blow it up. Kid Cable's throwing bombs everywhere. And it just ends up ending. And the big moment was when the bad version, Skeletor Apod, when he is fighting off Psylocke, He's changing into different forms and ends up changing into what looks like having Psylocke's daughter, which was a huge thing. They took her away, but you end with just that, and then it's over, and it doesn't do anything anyway. You end up with Psylocke's just like, nope, I'm just going to fight through this. I'm going to get you. Oh, man, I won, and here's Silver Surfer. Oh, great, we did it. And then that's it. That's that's it. You go back to Krakoa where you have Psylocke kind of just sitting there looking off into the into the setting sun. X-23 comes and says, hey, what do we do next? We finished up this great thing. I think we're a good team, right? No, I don't want to be a team. You're more of a leader. I'm not. I'm just going to go do things. You do things on your own. But hey, give me a hug. Hey, all right, let's go. The end. Pretty much. And she ends up kind of talking to herself, Psylocke, about, you know, you can do good things. I can. And the end. And walks out into the sun. The end. Yeah, it's nonsense. It's nonsense. I didn't like the art as much. I just don't like Simon Kodransky. That's more of a style type thing, I understand. But, yeah, I, I didn't dig this issue for all of these issues that I struggle. I'm looking at Stork. I'm shaking my head right now. He made me get involved with this. I wanted to ditch this a while ago. I think that he was punking me the whole time. He just wanted me to get to this end and see that really nothing happens. Apoth's gone. Whoop-dee-doo. Oh, my. Dubai is free. And now the Matrix is clean. <laughs> That's all you get. And then you get Psylocke off and doing things, whatever. And and X-23, I could just think that she's like, all right. I got to go because I don't know. Charles is calling me. I think he has something stupid for me to do, but I certainly will be back before like 10,000 years. Uh, you know, count on that. Silox's like, what the heck are you talking about? That doesn't make any sense. But yeah, overall, I'm just giving this a straight five. A five, you know, where, okay, you know, you ended it. It's nonsense, whatever. And I don't have to read it again. So that is some, some you know, points in the plus column there. It's not the greatest thing. It's kind of backdoor shade, but I don't care. I'm going to give it backdoor shade. The next issue, I'm telling you, Fast and Furious right now. This is Fast and Furious 3, which I like to call up in the tree, right? Fast and Furious. New Mutants number six. I'm so tired right now. I am sick as a dog. I can't talk. I have no voice, but here I am talking about New Mutants. And, and New Mutants, 
has been a book that's been jumping back and forth. So we, we had just recently gone back to Sunspot, Roberto, all the Shire space. You end up having, you know, that sort of gladiator. Uh, so I'm like, all right, I got to Let's see. Oh, my. We're not talking about that. We're going back to Nebraska. We're going back to Nebraska. And the funny thing about this is I don't talk to a lot of people at the moment about the X books, mainly because I am catching up. A lot of people have already read them or it seems the other people are catching up with me, but a little behind. So I end up, unlike me, a little behind right is that it so nobody is there talking to me about new mutants the best i get is double a ron he will post things in our patreon slack about hating excalibur that he's in the hate excalibur club Uh, i might be his right hand man in that but i don't hear anybody talking about new mutants and i don't hear anybody talking about hey you know that that story in nebraska that nonsense This might be one of my favorite stories going on right now. Now it ends here. But overall, just the characters involved, the kind of the fun of it, but versus the just awfulness of what's going on. I actually, I love Boom Boom. I like armor. Glob is in it. I mean, Beak, it's fun and I like it. And so when I actually went to this, Thinking that we're going to be in Shire space and we're in Nebraska, I actually really, I, I pumped my fist and I really did. I actually was excited. It's written by Ed Brisson, art by Flaviano. Oh, that Flaviano, always up to games, that guy is. Uh, colors by Carlos Lopez, letters by VCs, Travis Lanham. Discovering that old friends Beak and Angel were missing from Krakoa due to Beak's ailing father, Armor, Glob, Maxine, Maxime, or Maxim. I always say, I always, that throws me. And Manon, or Manon, <laughs> everything's throwing me now, traveled to Nebraska. Nebraska? Is that how you say it? Nebraska? There, Krakoan medicine brought Beek's father back from the brink of death. But before they could celebrate, armed gunmen burst into the farm. Led by Tumula, the gunmen demanded access to Krakoan drugs. They wanted the drugs and were willing to do anything to get them. First you get the drugs, then you get the money, then you get the mutants. And held hostage. The situation looked dire for the new mutants. Then Boom Boom arrived to even the score, as Boom Boom does. Boom Boom's drunk as Brandon. I mean, who else can you use there? She is as drunk as a Tuesday morning in Buffalo, and she loves it, and I love her for it. She is great. And that's kind of where we start off here with Boom, boom, wondering what the heck is going on. She's drunk. She's in Nebraska. Things are blowing up. And she's like, you know what? I don't know what the heck's going on here. You have armor. Like, where did you come from? Hey, thanks a lot. You know, you're welcome there. Well, you have this big battle going on. And you do see that armor and boom, boom, then get shot. You end up getting shot by that big missile launcher. And yeah, Armor says that was a shot that ends up taking our powers. It's a power dampener deal. We don't have powers now. I'm already in trouble for that. I mean, I don't know if it adds up, but you don't have powers either. While this is going on, remember that you ended up having the rest of the team were in the farmhouse or the house of Beaks and Angels and their parents. You ended up where... The 
pieces of crap that are there uh, from South America. They are holding the hostages, holding the mutants, and if they don't behave or whatever, they're going to shoot them. But at the end of last issue, at Maxim and Unknown end up using mind control and emotional control and made the two people that were guarding them shoot each other. Now, the scene that we get into where Glob is freaking out, it is a redo type deal of the scene that happened in the last issue that we did this this story. To kind of get you back to speed, it's a little more... You know, fleshed out, and it's pretty funny. And Glob is—he's—he's he's beside himself, and he says, "You two could have made these guards. They made them shoot each other." If you don't remember, it does do a pretty good job of recapping it, where you ended up having the mind control and and put memories into one of the guys that the other guy was screwing the guy's wife and killed his family, and so they end up shooting each other dead. And the big thing is, why couldn't you have just convinced them they were friends of ours so that they could protect us? And also you had gunshots. People are going to be here. We're going to be in trouble. You end up, the worst is you end up with Beak. It's like, I'm going to go out there. I'm going to see what's going on. He's shot. He gets shot right in the chest, it looks like. And he is dying. And he's dying while all of this chaos is going all over the place. You have these pieces of crap going into and trying to check on what's going on with those gunshots. In the meantime, you have boom, boom, and armor out and about. You have the main guy who looks like a real bro, looks like a real douche. He, he's going to go and check what happened in the farmhouse while the rest of them, you know, take care of these jerks. These mutants don't have their powers anymore. Go take care of them. And this one big lady goes over to boom boom and says you know i'm gonna take you down i'm gonna kill you i'm gonna i'm gonna beat the crap out of you because you don't have your powers anymore and boom boom is so badass plus as they're getting there they're like yeah uh, i think the one's drunk i repeat she is drunk and she's still a badass. i mean she's a badass and she says to this, this lady says what are you doing little girl you don't have your powers anymore you can't hurt me so get on the ground Boom says, I've been on Black Ops team since I was like 12. I need no powers. And I'm going to take care of you. Ripping hair out. I mean, she's going to town. Ends up just destroying this lady and says, I eat low-level you know, jerks like you for breakfast. And then goes off and ends up saving Armor, who is about to be shot at gunpoint. She ends up getting that missile launcher that doesn't have a missile in it, but just conks the guy over the head. While that's going on, you do end up having... You know, Glob runs out with Beak. Everybody runs out of the house because they have to get Beak to a hospital. He's dying. Now, if you're sitting there, this is where you have that bit of, well, he is a mutant. And all they have to do is get back to Krakoa anyway, and they can resurrect him. And it does, in my mind, throw off the stake. So Ed Brisson has to up the ante for that because I'm sure he realizes everybody's going to think that. So what he does as they go and get in that douchebag's, you know, pretty much grave digger, the monster truck here, uh, they get in, they're going to go and take Beak to the hospital. This guy, that piece of crap, you hear a gunshot, then he comes out with Beak's dad. He has killed Beak's mother. She is dead. He comes out with the gun to Beak's father, who has been sick, got the drugs. He's getting better now, and it's going to take a little bit, but... He is probably going to get shot because there, there's nothing really to negotiate anymore. This guy wanted the drugs. If we get the drugs, we will set all of you free. 
now that they have killed all his men, they're kind of gone. He's just like, I'm just going to take care of all of this. I'm going to make everything misery for you. You do end up having Angel, who is Beak's wife, says, you know, if Beak dies, I'm going to come and get you and I'm going to kill you. If you kill his father, I'm going to come and I'm going to kill you. You already killed his mother, so I'm just going to come and kill you. This guy doesn't care. This guy basically says and shows you these people who are against the mutants, they mean business. He does not care if he lives or dies. He is a piece of crap that will do whatever it takes. And since they're not going to get the drugs, what he is setting up here is the idea that it'll look like the mutants killed all of the humans there. That is the whole deal of this. He ends up shooting Beak's father and then commits suicide, puts the gun to himself. Now, the big thing is they are all freaking out. You end up having Beak's father and mother are dead. Now, it looks like the report of this includes that as well, that you end up having these, you know, these guys, but the parents dead. Well, you go to Krakoa, everybody's like, oh my God. And it's funny because everybody doesn't know what to do. People are lying dead everywhere. And Boom Boom's mad because she doesn't get cell service, but they do get back to Krakoa. So you're there. Okay. Well, either they're going to heal Beak or they'll resurrect him. I don't know if he made it back. It looks like they healed him there. It looks like they worked on him. All the kids are there. Angel's there. And when you do have Glob and Armor go to visit them, they're a little too happy that they end up really, really like you're waiting for them to say, like, I'm really upset about my parents, but they're not saying that. Now, you could maybe go with the idea of well, they're in a paradise now. It, it hasn't sunk in. They're still in shock. Well, they start talking like, how are you doing? Oh, you know, Beak's like, it's great. I mean, I got sh- shot. That sucked, but I'm healing and they're helping me. And like, okay, well, and he says, at least nobody else got seriously hurt. Glob doesn't know what's going on. Glob goes, but your parents, they, and you end up where it looks like Beak's like, oh, my God, you're right. You know, I do have to. He's like, I don't know what you mean. My parents, they passed away years ago. They've been dead for years. They they died in their sleep. <laughs> Glob's going, but, but. Armor's like, a Glob, we have to go. Uh, yeah, uh, you know, I, I'm glad you guys like Krakoa. Whenever you want to go, I'll give you a tour. We'll get out of here. She knows what's going on. And she is putting on the smiling face, grabbing Glob. You have Angel looking like, what's going on here? Why is she acting so strange? She goes, the minute she turns her face away from them, she is pissed. She has a. She goes, those little brats. And then that's where you realize, oh, my God, Maxim and Manon, They have mind-wiped Beak, the kids, and Angel, and they've changed their mind. They've changed their memories about what happened to the parents. Now, they are little kids. They're mutant freaks. They, They are scary. They're children of the corn. But they do mean well. And and in all of this, yeah, they're a little sadistic. They had guys like really whacked out of how they ended up getting those guards to shoot each other. But they don't mean harm, especially to Beak. They they need some. What they need is somebody around them at all times. They need a teacher who's going to put the hat backwards, turn the chair around, and talk to them at the level of mutant freaks that they are. But you end up where 
you know, Armor's like, what did you do? What did you do to them? Oh, well, they they were really sad about their parents. So I I just kind of changed their memories so that the parents still are dead, but they died years ago in their sleep and they already grieved about it. And Armor tries to tell them and, and she is trying to get down their level. And at one point she does calm down because I think she realizes, yeah, they don't know. These kids need help. They need guidance because she says they didn't grieve. When they find out what you did, and they always do, they are going to end up more pissed at you. They're going to then have to grieve because then they'll realize that. But also, they will start questioning everything about their memories and themselves. You will F them for their lives. You will ruin them. And and so then you have them say, okay, well we'll we'll go back and put the real memories and we'll, and she's like, yeah, yeah, let's not do that. I mean, I don't want that either. You know, what's done is done, but we'll try to figure out. You know, and she says your heart was in the right place. You guys were trying to do the right thing. You did what you thought was the right thing. You saw somebody hurting, and ended up trying to stop that. But you can't do this anymore. You can't do it. And so you end up. Where she just even says, you know, these things have a way of coming back at you and they come back at you tenfold and it's bad. Well, you see, Beak, Angel and the kids, they're loving it. They're just sitting there. And I I actually thought there was going to be like one thing at the end, like, huh, when did my parents die? Like you'd see that they actually realize, but they don't. And that's how it ends. They're happy. You end up having this little storyline seemingly done. We'll see when Beak finds out later or Angel or one of the kids remembers. But overall, I liked it. And yeah, it's not the biggest story. I mean, I, I ended up complaining a bit about Fallen Angels. that that, But this is at least fun. And you had some character moments. I learned about some characters I didn't know before. So I really liked it. I'm giving it an 8 out of 10. I like the art as well. But that is the end of the podcast. And I told you it was going to be a quick one. I am losing my voice. I had to stop just then. I just had a coughing fit for like five minutes. I'm having problems. I got to go to bed. Oh, my. Where's my bed? But, yeah, thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening. As we get closer and closer to catching up on all these X-Men things, this is me recording right now on Thursday night. I'm going to try to record another one on Saturday, another one on Monday, and then me and Brandon will be back on Tuesday, which we're still trying to figure out what we're going to do for the regular show. We'll figure something out, something fun, whatever it will be. Hopefully Brandon's connection will be better, right? And his connection, love connection. Oh, my. But that is that. Thanks, everybody. Again, go to our Twitter, WS Marvel Comics, our website, Weird Science, MarvelComics.com, our YouTube channel, Weird Science Comics, and our Patreon, Patreon.com slash Weird Science. I'm having problems, so I'm going to go to bed. Thanks, everybody, and I'll talk to you later.